Hello and welcome to Be With Champions. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And in today's episode, I have a wonderful conversation with Vincent Lewis, the 2019 ITU World Champion. He's a colorful storyteller and, and he shares a lot about his journey to the top. Um, he's had a few speed bumps along the ways, which he goes into great detail. The one thing that impressed me about Vincent was just, he knows who he is and he knows what he wants. And he's going about it in a way that he has full control over his destiny, his thoughts, his choices, his actions. I really found this to be an inspiring episode. He's mature behind, beyond his years and uh, I really appreciated his time to sit down with me as long as he did. If you're enjoying the show, please let me know. Give me any feedback or reviews on social media. I'll try and get back to you as quick as I can. Or if you can give me any reviews on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever app you're using, that would also really help me out. Um, enjoy this one, guys. I really did. Until next time, stay safe. All right. Today's guest is one of the fastest men in the world of triathlon with a blistering swim speed, incredible bike power, and a lightning fast run. He kicked off his career with winning the World Junior Championships in 2008. A few years later, he finished 11th at the 2012 London Olympic Games. By 2015, he was on the podium of the ITU World Triathlon Series. At the Rio Olympic Games, he was 8th. He has slowly but surely edged his way to the top of the world, finishing second in the World Triathlon Series in 2018. Then finally, after 11 years since his junior world title, he won the ITU World Championship title in 2019. He's a man with passion, patience, and persistence, and he's squeezing everything he can out of himself to be the best he can, which I believe is the best in the world and a strong favorite for the Olympic gold in Tokyo in 2021. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Be With Champions, Mr. Vincent Lewis. Bonjour, and how are you, mate? Hey, Greg, I'm good. Thank, thank, thanks for having me. That's that's good to chat with you. Yeah, mate, I've been really excited to have you on the show. You know, I, I've I've watched your career since that Junior World Championship back in 2008, and I, and I was still kind of racing pretty intensely and full on then. So always looking for the new juniors coming through, and it was always like, ah, there's a Spaniard or there's a young French guy coming, and and so when you won that world title, and then I've just been watching you for years chisel away. And you had that dominance of the Brownleys and Gomez era, you know, especially between that sort of 2012 and 2016. And then you had the Mario Mola kind of era. And you've, you've just kept knocking at the door. And then last year, you're finally there. How, how, how was that to finally just get to the top of the world and now call yourself the world champion? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a really really strange feeling. But uh, uh, I would I just would like to say I'm really glad to 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 do the races in my era and racing like this guy. I, I mean, you mentioned the Bronleys, uh, Ravi Gomez, Mario Mola. Uh, I, I would add uh, Jan Frodeno in these guys. And <laughs> I, I mean that that's for me the no offense to the guys racing before, but. That's for me the era where triathlon really changed and triathlon really be, be, became what it is right now. I mean, mm. fast swimmers, fast riders, and fast runners, and and I'm really glad that I've that I've been uh, lucky enough to to race all all of these guys, all of these legends, and I even raced you, mate. I remember we, we raced a couple of races together, and and I also raced uh, this guy, Bivan Dokoti Amishkate. So I, I think I've, mm. I've been I've been privileged to. To kind of see all the generations and and i'm now as you said on on top with this world title but i'm also old enough to see the new generation coming 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, you know, it's always difficult to compare generations, but I've had um, both Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez on this, you know, on this podcast in previous conversations. And I said to both of them, that they basically retired me from ITU competition between the <laughs> between the two of them and of course Jonathan Brownlee who I haven't had on the show yet but really those three I remember going and doing Kitzbühel in 2011 and even I think the Budapest World Championships in 2010 which was my last sort of grand final race that I did and and I remember having reasonable races at those like I, I they weren't my best performances but they were reasonable and I remember coming back to the hotel room and just saying Laura I I can't I can't beat these guys. I don't know how <laughs> to even visualize it. You know, I, I, it is the next generation. It is the next group that are here. And, and now it's like, you know, I've just watched you improve a couple of percent every year and just hone in your game every single year. And whether that's finding new coaches and new training partners or whatever it is. And, and to watch you finally, you know, you've had third in 2015 in the World Series, second in 2018. And then boom, last year. Uh, I it really, I love to see that because for me, a lot of the guys I've had on this podcast have been just incredibly talented in many, many areas and they've burst onto the world scene and they've been there from the very beginning and they've stayed there. And then there's guys like yourself that have had to earn and, and chisel away for so, so long. And I love that persistence and perseverance and um that's why when i was speaking to my wife and lining up who do i really want on this show and who do i really want to you know talk to and i was like you know there's this there was you and christian blumenfeld that i've really enjoyed watching and christian was on an episode a couple of a couple of weeks ago but i really thought you two are the two guys that have really just stayed there and tried to get closer and closer and closer and are finally there and um and I wanted to make sure when I was lining up all the my interviews coming up, you know, pre twenty twenty Tokyo Olympics, I was like, oh, I got to make sure I have the gold medalist on the show before they win their gold medal. And uh, I mean, now it's pushed back to twenty twenty one, but I don't think much is going to change in in terms of who I see as the favourites. Um, so let's get right into the show and let's look at twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Let's start with these very special years that you've had. Take me through that process of. 2018 and how it started for you and and the mindset you had going into 2018 and then 2019 which basically those two years had you as the most consistent athlete in the world with a couple of wins along the way yeah i mean 2019 uh, 2018 sorry was a really important year for me i I made a lot of decisions and choices and and i think they lead to to where i am right now um I mean, I started the season uh, quite well, and I, w- I was on the on the top five at the World Series, leading to leading to Yokohama, and uh, and and I don't know, but I, I just had a bad performance in Yokohama. I mean, bad performance was tenth, and I was just in like a, a period in my life saying, okay, uh, the Olympics are in eighteen months, and. I'm like in between 10th and first in a race, but when I come to racing, I don't know if if I can win or if I'm gonna finish 10th. Uh, and uh, I was struggling to to stay injury free also, and that, that was a big a big thing mm. in my career. I, I, I have a, I like a lot of step back mm. because of injuries, and so I I just sat down after the race, and I was just like, uh, should I change something? What should I do? And and, and I just decide to 
to to come back home and uh, go to my parents, staying staying a month with my parents and just train as feeding and take time to to reflect on what I've done in my life and what I, what I, what I want to do next. And uh, I remember I had a chat with Mario Mora because back then um, his girlfriend Carol got uh, hidden by a car. And so I was just like taking news from her and asking how she was. And I was like, but what if, what, what if I join you? What if I join your training group? How, how, how that will be for you? And he says, oh, mate, I would be happy if you join. I, I would be, I would be the, first, the, first, the first to be happy if you join. I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it seems a good idea. And I, I've always been looking at international training group and, you know, you know, it's it's not it's not a lie to say us French. We we all think we we know everything better than everyone, and we we know how to train, we know how to leave, we know how to cha- to date girls and everything. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I needed a change, and I, I didn't want to be I didn't want to be in a in a training group in France anymore. I just want to take take some decision and make like strong choices. And so I just called Joel and I say, listen, this is. This is how I train. This is how I see my, my career. And I, I want to make some change. I want to be on the podium. I want to be world champion. And I, I know I can do it. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. And I'm an I'm a easy athlete to coach. I'm a sponge. I mean, you can, you can tell me to do whatever you think is good for me. I'll do it. And I remember having, having this sentence of saying, if you ask me to, to drink a liter of petrol, I will drink two. And whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And and I'll put everything on my side to be the best athlete of the world. And it sometimes uh, caused me bad things because I, I'm pushing too much and I got injured. But if if you can keep me injury-free, I, I bet we can do big things together. And you say, okay, game on. And two days later, I was in Fond Romeu for my first uh, training camp with the group. And... And after a week, they already smashed me on the bike and on the run. And I think that was the good way to learn how to be humble and how to train with these guys. So yeah, 2018, uh, that was that was the year of changes. And that was a quick adaptation because let's say three weeks after I was uh, second behind Mario at the uh, Hamburg World Series. And then, mm. then after that, I only had podiums, I think. And I finished second in the world behind Mario in front of Jake Verswissel. And that was a first, second and third for the gf2 crew i know that that uh when i spoke had mario on the episode and joel filio is an old friend of mine actually from victoria canada when i was training there with simon whitfield from 2000 and well 2000 to 2004 and uh joel was a young a very young um green coach you know but he was like you said, you were. He, he was a sponge. And, and I remember him sitting down with both my wife, Laura, and I. And I think I was ranked number one in the world at the time. And, and Laura was one or two. And and he just sat down. And we'd, we'd go out to dinner with him and his wife at the time. And, and, and he just was a sponge and just wanted to learn more. And, and to see his progression to become, I truly think, probably the greatest ITU coach in the world i mean he's got the men and women <laughs> world number one and world champions and he's and like you said his squad is incredible that i mean just to go through those names you have yourself uh mario mola jake Burtwistle, the 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 up and upcoming star from australia that's just a lightning fast runner uh jelly jeans from uh belgium and mm-hmm. amongst others, and then on the women's side, you know, we have Katie Zafaris, and who's a, the world champion in her own right, and, and a whole plethora of people. And the one thing I've noticed with the squad that you guys are in is the ability to show up and be consistent and consistent at the top. And 
you mentioned, you know, you'd had injuries and you were dealing with those things because a passionate athlete is going to get injured because you're always reaching for too much, you know, and, and you get, but he's able to keep you guys relatively injury free and, and, and that ability to stay on top consistently for such a long time and to have so many athletes. And I don't know about you, but to try and manage the egos of so many phenomenal world-class athletes that all want that Olympic gold medal, that all want that world title, and yet he's able to manage it and so you can all train together. Tell me about that training environment and how Joel's able to make that work. Uh, yeah, that's funny because that, that was the things I was, I, was, I was scared about when I joined the group. And, you know, as, as you say, we all, we all have our ego. And when I showed up at the first camp in Fontromeur, I was like, okay, in the first week, I really need to to show them who I am, and and they, they they they're not gonna they're not gonna joke with me. So I'm gonna I have to be strong, and so I, I was straight into it. No adaptation, straight into the first bike session, and uh, I, I nearly I nearly get dropped, but I I stay in the group just just because of my ego and <laughs> and just, just because I want to stay there. And uh, and I remember we had this session on the run, uh, which was uh, like a 15 minutes 15 minutes 15 minutes from uh, 340 to 320 at uh, almost 2000 meter altitude and well mate that was the hardest training slash race of my life <laughs> 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 but I, I was just like well i hope it's not gonna be like this every saturday because i, I just wanted to run at the front i just wanted to show them i was there but i mean after one week of this you realize you don't need to win every training. You don't need to be at the front every training because these guys got your back. And if one day you feel better, you you will help them. But if one day you don't feel good, they will help you. And that's how we work. I mean, what what you give to people doesn't take something away from you. And that's, that's how we work. It's give and taken. And I remember doing session almost everything on the front because they did not feel good or uh, sometimes we we went for some hard session on the run and mario was just leading from start to finish and that that's how we work and i, I just want to put my my um my help i, I just want to put what i what i know to do and help the guys so i know i'm gonna have to to lead all the swim set and if i can help them this way and they can they can help me run faster or swim faster or, or bike faster that's that's how we work and it's just like just have to be like smart and work together and put your mm. ego on the side and we will mm. have a we'll have a common success and everyone will succeed will succeed and it's just matter of who show up at the race with the the best tactic and who will just like make just make his own skills work the best and you know i, I often have been asked uh yeah but you can show your opponent your weaknesses and i'm like yeah but I, I I can see this, so it's exactly the same. I have nothing to hide, and they can't hide anything from me. So it's just mm. it's just like this. We just walk together, and we'll see. Before the race, we shake hands, and we just like, okay, may the best win, and that's exactly what happened for for the last two years. I mean, even even the day before the race, we're still training together, even if we're not from the same country. I remember doing like run session with Mario two or three days before Gold Coast and we were fighting for second and second and uh, first in the world and same in Lausanne. We spent seven weeks together in altitude with Mario, only the both of us and his girlfriend Carol, because we did not 
make the test event and everyone else do- did but not us so we spent seven weeks like training eating sleeping everything like i mean we did exactly the same thing so the the mm. best just won and that's how it works and i think that's that's the best way to do it it's it's it takes great maturity and you know Mario Mola, who I had on this show, like I said, is probably one of the nicest men you could ever possibly meet. And, yeah. uh, and you know, his ability to, like we've said, put his ego aside and say, actually, if I can surround myself with the best in the world, I, I know where the best is every day I train. You know, by having you in the swimming pool with him, he knows that that's the lead pack. He knows that's the very pointy end of the lead group. You know, you're leading swims out. You're one of the greatest swimmers in the world of triathlon. And and he knows that, and then he knows that you're you're capable on the bike, you're powerful, and you're strong. And he also knows that you're going to be a consistent runner for him. And you've got Jake Burtwistle there, and, and Jelly Jen, and all of you are getting wins, and all of you are getting podiums, and all of you are getting success. So you're able to. It seems to me you're all able to thrive together um, and really keep pushing because when you look at the world, especially in the men's world of ITU racing these days in the World Series, there's almost. You have the Joel Filio squad, and I've gone through the names. Then you have the Norwegian squad of, of uh, you know, um, Christian Blumenfeld and Edon Gustaf and uh, all these guys. Um, Gustaf Eden, excuse me. And then you have the Brownleys and Gomez coming back. So there's almost like these three different groups in the world that are – and I feel like the only way that an individual has been able to sort of surpass the Brownleys and that Gomez era – is to formulate this team environment so you can all lift yourselves to, to greater performances. And, and I'm so impressed with the way you guys are all able to handle yourselves. Um, you know, back uh, late 90s, Australia was fairly dominant in the world of triathlon. Um, and a lot of that was because we had training squads. You know, we had the Brett Sutton squad that I was in in the late 90s and you had the Cole Stewart squad who was the father of Miles Stewart who was the 91 world champion. But anyway two great squads and we were used to racing hard and then training hard within our squads but our squad didn't seem to have the chemistry that yours does in the sense that our squad there was still a fair bit of ego and and we worked well together but half the time I just wanted to beat my squad and I didn't even care what that meant in terms of my world position quite often it meant I had a good world position but it was I was so fueled in the squad that I it was almost this love-hate relationship with my training partners, but you guys don't seem to have that. You you all seem to actually care for each other and like each other. Is that true for most part? Yeah, I, I think what I, what I love the most with our squad is we all been honest with each other. Like if something goes wrong, we 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 say it, and it's I think it's the first is the first uh, rule when you want people to work together is to. Mm to be direct, to be straight. If something's wrong, you just say it and then you go and, and you go away with it. Mm. And I think we all respect Joel. Uh, I mean, matter of like training wise, I mean, what, what are you going to, what are you going to say to him? You're going to say, Oh, what you're doing is wrong. No, you can't say that this guy has the, has the best athletes and the best results. So mm. what he says, if you, if he tells you, okay, you run three ten for like 20 minutes, you're going to do it. Even if mm. you can run faster, but if he says that, that means, He's thinking about it since years and months and everything. So that's the best for you. You're not gonna you're not gonna argue with that. So you just you just execute what he says and that's as easy as this. And I think yeah, we all respect each other. We all have like 
medals and everything so nobody has anything to prove and i think i think that's good we just we're just working day by day and we, we're not pushing too hard on the day to save a bit for the day after because i mean the, the way joel is um building the training is we, we don't have any day off except when we're traveling so it's it's just a matter of being able to wake up the day after mm-hmm. and and train again so yeah you have to be smart you have to be conservative in your training and make sure you don't push too hard because like tomorrow is another day of training and you have to be mm. ready to help you to help your mates to train well. Mm. I love I love that mentality. Help your mates. And and I take me a little bit through Lasan and the grand final and just tell the listeners about what was at stake on, on that day for you um and what place you had to finish and, and the and the emotions that you were going through. Uh yeah, I mean L- Lausanne was a really special race. Uh, first it's I mean everyone knows I think where is Lausanne, it's really close to France and even more where I'm from, it's it's uh, like maybe, I don't know, like 90 minutes drive for my hometown. Mm-hmm. So basically they made, I think, three or four buses to come and see me. I saw all my friends <laughs> from, from school and everything, uh, even if I did not go to school too much, but I still have friends from school and and, and, <laughs> and they, they were there. My parents were there. That My parents are not traveling a lot. I mean... Whatever they can go by car, they go, but they, they can't afford really, they, they couldn't afford really to fly. So they, they just go to Hamburg and Lausanne was perfect to be as the grand final. Mm. And um, so, yeah, that was a bit special. Uh, coming there, number one in the world, I was number one since April. And I and I managed to to keep this uh, first place, but Mario was coming back strong. And, and I knew that if he if he would win the race, I would have to, to finish in the top five. And... Um, I knew I could do it. I mean, I spent seven weeks in altitude. I I, I was fit. I was feeling really good. But um, yeah, I I did some mistake. I think I went down from altitude too late and I had a a lot of stuff to do that I did not imagine to do, like press conference and Mm. doping control and have to please the French media and and the French uh, triathlon politics people and all this stuff, you know. And yeah, that, that, that really... That really took me some energy and and just the night before the race i was like wow i can finally relax but but that was strong so i, I know a top five was was in my uh in my range of performance for that day and um luckily i finished the top five i mean christian was really strong this day he, he won the race and and he deserved the win and i'm happy for him that he finally get one after after all the podiums he did <laughs> and but you know I mean, I, I don't know if you know that, but the first thing I did when I crossed the line is to apologize to Mayo because, I don't know, I felt this guy was going for four world titles in a row. No, nobody did that before him. And I joined this group and I took this for him, from him. And I was just like, whoa, can I, can I, can I be happy or should I feel guilty? You know, that was, that was a really... Mm-hmm really mixed feeling when i crossed the line mm. and a straight on he told me no mate you deserve it you had a you had a really good season you did not do any mistake you did everything you had to do and and you did perfect and i'm happy for you and just these words i think you know after you have all those people coming around like bees around only saying oh yeah you're amazing that's so good what you did but you know all these people that weren't there when you were injured but mm. just these words that Mario told me, I was like, okay, I can appreciate my title. I can be happy now. 
and mm. you know i was i was a bit like afraid of this moment but as as usual he's so classy that he that he just like made it like go go away and and yeah i can finally enjoy to be world champion after that you know it's those it's those moments in sport though that i i reflect back on my own career where there was moments where um it, it wasn't so much the win it was almost the mateship that was more important and actually one of my career highlights and i've mentioned on this show before was when one of my very best mates he was a groomsman at my wedding and um you know, we went through a lot of battles together, but that was Simon Whitfield. And we trained relentlessly together before the 2000 Olympic Games. Um, I was left off the Australian team and that was a whole different story. But he said, look, come to Canada and help me get ready. And I was pretty bewildered with Australia. So I said, fine, I'll, I'll come over there. And we, we trained relentlessly together for about six months. Like, Kind of like you were saying, you know, on lockdown with with Mario um, and, and Caroline up, up in altitude. We, we had that lockdown situation where it was just the two of us. And Every single day was about Sydney Olympics and the course and everything about it, and and I went down there as reserve for the Australian team, and and uh, and then I watched Simon, and I knew Simon was really fit. Like the last couple of weeks before the Olympics, he finally was just outrunning me, you know. And, and at the time, I was kind of had been world number two for a couple of years leading in, and and it, here he was. He'd suddenly just made this little leap. And we left Canada and, and I knew that he potentially could win the Olympic Games. And there he was. He ran down Macquarie Street, took the win. And, you know, the first time, you know, triathlon was ever in the Olympics and it was the, on the second day or opening day of the Olympic Games. And it was a big deal. And I stood there in the, in the stadium and I had tears coming down my eyes. I was just full of joy. And and then Simon had his medal presentation and got his medal, gold medal. And as they're walking off the, the podium, he saw me in the stands and he ran over to me. And he took the medal off his neck and put it around mine and said, this is yours. And I was like, oh, you know, that, that still gives me goosebumps when I retell that story. And, and it was a really special time. And hence, Simon was the first person I had on this whole podcast show because it, we have sh- so many of those kind of stories. And that kind of relationship that you're building with Mario over these last couple of years, it's like it, it's like we go to war and back, you know, it's a battle. And then when you finish, you know, you shake hands and you say, yeah, the best man won it. But the emotional experiences that you go through are what make sports special. And I can just imagine the the release of tension that you might have had going, oh, I kind of feel that, you know, maybe Mario should have had four. But let's be honest, he's had three, which is outstanding in its own right. And uh, and you you thoroughly deserve that one. And, and so post that world championship, title did your life change much did sponsorships or media commitments or anything else change terribly much for you uh yeah the the media went a bit crazy i mean in france uh, we had the last uh, world title with uh, olivier marceau in 2000 ah, <laughs> so uh, I was in that yeah <laughs> yeah back in the days when it was a one-day race and yeah. um so 19 years after uh finally we got another gold, me- gold medal mm. so yeah i got i got a few commitments and but uh I put my name on a start list of a World Cup um, for the for the the weekend after in Bagnoles in mm. Mario Mario's kind of hometown. So that that was that was a good way to stay motivated and to to keep training for a bit. But the the good story uh, I like to tell is on Saturday I won this uh, this gold medal and this world title and. Monday, I was actually at the French embassy in, in a queue for doing my girlfriend visa. And I, I looked at her and I say, you see, 
there is no there is no Walt Arthur here. You you're in a line and you're waiting with your ticket for hours for them to for them to tell you you miss a copy of your passport. <laughs> yes, reality of life sets back in too quickly sometimes, doesn't it? It's like, can't I just have a few days to really let this sink in and just be be a wonderful experience? I know, and especially to be lined up to do passport or got anything to do with the government, a driver's license or passport. It's, it brings you back down to earth. I love that. But the other thing people listeners should should know, it, if this sport was still a one-day world championship, and, and, and I think our sport, honestly, I, and I've said it before on this show, I think our sport of triathlon in, in the ITU should be a bit like mountain biking where you have the one-off one-day world champion and you have the World Cup Series winner, and they're both as prestigious as each other. But if it was a one-day it, it should also be known that you won the grand final both in 2017 and in 2018. So you, you've proven that you are a one-day athlete for the very, the big special day by winning Rotterdam in 2017 and running away from the best in the world, which really was an extraordinary race and, and must be one of your, I don't know, when you look back and go, yeah, I, I, I crushed that one. Um, that was one I remember watching just going, wow, look at him just kick away from the best in the world. And then to again back it up a year later by finishing off at the Gold Coast. Um, you know, so it's not just that you're a consistent series type athlete you actually know how to pull out the big guns on the one day as well yeah yeah it's funny because this these two races i mean the 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 results the same i, I won both but the, the story behind the, the two races are so so different i mean um 2017 i spent like most of the year injured again after after rio olympics and Two, two or three months prior to, to this race in Rotterdam, I told my coach, okay, I want to go to Font. Um, I, want, I want to rent something only by myself and try and hazard as I could for two months and try to try to win the, the grand final and just save my season. And I, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to see any media. I don't want to see any training partner or whatever. I just want to like hmm. self-isolate and try and hazard as I could, putting my 40 hours a week for three months and just, ju- just show to this race and, and being as fit as I can. And uh, that that that's what I did, but I was kind of um, of all in. And uh, compared to 2018, when I prepare an altitude and I and I fly to and I flew to Australia, and I knew I was really fit and prepare. And you know that that's two different approach. When you know mm-hmm. you you can win a race, but it can go it can it can go wrong really easy. Or when you go to a race really fit and you're like. Okay, we'll see now if I know how to prepare a race. I, I, I'll see now if under pressure I can execute because I was uh, third in the world. I can overtake um, Jacob and finish second. So I was like, yeah, this is now your time to prove that you're not going to crack under pressure compared to mm. Rotterdam. Rotterdam was just a dark horse coming from nowhere. Nobody seen me for the full year. Nobody was really taking care of me or like caring really if I was taking pull on the bike or whatever, they were just like, ah, he's still injured. He's not going to outrun us or whatever. But in Gold Coast, I was like, um, okay, now you need to perform. You need to execute and you need to to show yourself you can do it and you know how to prepare for a big race and don't crack under pressure. I really like that. I like the fact that you've got the maturity and, and you can kind of look at that and, and, and see the two differences. And and there's a, there's a really special feeling about saying, I want to win a certain race and doing everything you can in your preparing process of of, of of making sure there's no stone left out unturned compared to, like you said, maybe 
being thrust onto the world stage and you're simply the fittest and boom, you get away with it almost. It's like, ha ha, compared to going, right, people are watching me. I have to do every single thing right to be able to win this race. And it's such a rewarding feeling to go, I wanted to win that race. I did everything I could from sleep and nutrition to body work to the right training program to coming down from altitude at the right time to, you know, doing not too much media, but enough media, working with my sponsors, taking the pressure off, mental strategies, all of that has to come together. And when it actually does, oh man, it's the greatest feeling in the world because it's kind of like, yeah, I couldn't have done anything more and it actually worked. You know, it actually worked and it doesn't always work, obviously, but boy, when it works, it's a special feeling and and you certainly did that. And, and I think that's what I look at, you know, when I look at your career, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you, you, you obviously have some talent. You know, you can't win a world junior, junior title without some talent. And I don't believe anybody in the top 10, 20, 30 in the world of any sport doesn't have some talent. It's what it takes to edge your way to become the number one. And what are the difference makers that, that get you there? And, and that's where I'm fascinated in your journey because you've indicated some talent. It hasn't been smooth sailing you know, you, you've been chipping away. And I think 20, 2011 or 12, when you made the French Olympic team, it was a powerful French team too, by the way, for people that don't know, uh, David Haas uh, was fourth and our very good friend, um, uh, oh, excuse me, my, my, I've just said an absolute, Lauren Vidal, yeah. um, who, who, who passed um, the last couple of years, uh, uh, one of the, the the greatest men you could ever, ever know, but was fifth, uh, came fifth and was the second Frenchman. And then you were 11th. And so the, the, the three French guys have gone fourth, fifth and 11th. And there was a probably, you know, a couple of other guys that could have been on the team at that time. So you've got a very powerful country and, and that's whether it's from doing the French Grand Prix for years or whatever it is, but the amount of talent coming out of France now is quite incredible. And, Looking at the, well, let's look at coming up, the next Olympics is going to be the first time there's ever a relay in place. And this Olympic relay is really going to be quite something when we look at who's who's on your team. So let, let's have a look at that relay for a second, then we'll go back and we'll look at history a little bit more. But tell me about this Olympic relay and what are your thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's good. I mean, uh, yeah, that's good for triathlon. I mean, we, we're not going to spit on, on another event and another chance of medal. I mean, since 2000, we only had like six medals for men and women for for one event. So if you're not 100% fit for racing for two hours, you're done. You have to wait for four more years. And now with the relay, you have like two chances. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a good country with both uh, men and women. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be to be French and having like good good boys next to me. I mean, even really good boys because mm. we basically four four people for two spots mm. with uh, Leo Berger, Dorian Konangs, and Pierre Leco. So it's it's a really strong team on the men's side and for the women. I mean, you obviously know um, Cassandre Beaugrand that won Hamburg last year and uh, two years ago, mm. and Leonie Perio. We even have Moyer Dode. So we still have like a lot of people. Mm. coming so for sure we have big chance uh big chances to 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 get like a medal but uh relay is so fast and so quick and so many things can happen and <laughs> just by team tactics or whatever you can you can see people just completely blowing up i mean last year we saw in hamburg like team gb just was was done after not even 
the first swim of the first woman because she she got kicked out and that was that was done for them and they were medal contenders so mm-hmm. everything can happen i mean we have fast races uh, thanks to the french grand prix i guess and to this fighting spirit you you learn since young by racing with the with the best in the world in the french grand prix so i i mean that's a chance for us and uh, that that's why we also i think strong Mm. in the in the well, super league circuit so that that that's good i mean we have a good team already three three world titles and i was three times in the in the team so i, ho- I hope first to be in the team in, in for, <laughs> for 2021 and and i hope we we get a we get a medal back home yeah i think uh it's one of my favorite new things i think this team relays got me really excited i i just think it's uh the camaraderie of having a team and having to race together and you know when i've spoken to triathlon australia and usa triathlon i'm kind of like guys it's about first and foremost you've got to have strong women and the the reason i say that is generally speaking a woman is on the course for 10 percent longer so when you look at the the amount of time on course and you're looking at 10%, you need to have strong women. You need to make sure you've got strong, a, whole, a whole team of strong men and women. But if you can have two women that are just getting you that little bit more, they're on the course 10% longer. I'm, I'm a big statistician. I love math. So if, if somebody's on the course for, for 20 minutes or if they're on the course for you know 21 minutes, that's a big difference in, in the amount of gain that you can make. And I just, I look at your team and you, you've got Cassandra Bogrant, who's just dominated that Super League series this last year, as you did. Um, the US have a strong team, obviously, with incredible women, um, Katie Severus um, and um, you, your girlfriend, uh, Taylor Spivey. It, it's an amazing group of women that they have and they just their guys have just got to try and pick it up a fraction more and i think they're going to be a strong team the australian team again um they've got some really capable young guys that are coming up and i think probably you're going to appreciate having the extra extra year i just think for me it's going to be one of the all-time great olympic medals i know the the personal one is what you'll be looking for uh the gold medal but i but i also think there's going to be something very special about that team medal um what i'd like to do now is just wind the clock back a little bit and, and just tell me about, you know, how you got into sport, endurance sport, and, and, and especially, uh, you know, triathlon. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's um, back, uh, yeah, back when I was like six years old, um, my uh, my sister was a swimmer. Uh, and my parents were just like runners, like casual runners, not really doing any races or whatever. And uh, we we were used to go every summer to Portugal because uh, that's where my father is from, and you know my parents just wanted me to to know how to to swim, just to don't be don't be really bothered with me at the at the beach and just let me swimming swimming by myself. So they just put me in a pool when I was six, and I just learned how to swim. I made good friends, and that's that's how the 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 thing with the water starts. And I mean that that was just having good fun with my friends in the water. So I continued doing it until I was maybe 14 or 15 and um then i made some tests to to go into like a training center for swimming and i i, I, I get in they they select me but after one week i just say uh, now i can't see myself swimming all my life just just being in a pool it's it's too boring for me and so i got contacted by the federation actually and i went for internship internship like a kind of a sports school for three for three years until i graduate when i was 18 and uh, so that was my first taste of uh, of triathlon. I won some, um, you know, youth nationals and all the all the stuff you do when you're young, aquathlon, duathlon, and all all these stuffs. But mm. 
I mean, I, I would never have imagined that I would make it my my, my job. I, I was still studying by, back then, and when I was eighteen, <clears throat> I mean, French is not French is not really good when you want to do high level sports and study. You know, university is free, but there is too many people, and you they they, they don't really bother about people making sports. So you kind of have to choose what what you want to do. And I remember. So my dad basically asked me what, what I want to do. And I said, I, I want to be a triathlete. And he said, but yeah, but that's not a job. What do you want to do? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm saying that that was 2006 or 2007, maybe. And he was like, that's not a job. I'm like, uh, okay, so what are you ready to invest on me for my studies? What are you, what, what's the money you're going to put on me for the two next year of studying? And I don't remember what he said, but that, that wasn't much. I mean, I, I'm not coming from a from a real wealthy family. We, my dad came to France when he was 14 and started working straight at the factory. And, and my, my mom was a nurse, so I, I'm not saying we were in need. But I mean, stu- mm-hmm. studying was not, you, you can't study for six years in my family. You just have to make choices. And so he told me the the amount of money he had for me for my studies. And I say, okay. So I want you to pay my my uh, my loan for for the next two years with this money. I'm gonna try to make my own money and and be independent and 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 I'm not gonna ask you anything else. And if I fail, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna work a shit a shit job for the rest of my life. And you say, mm-hmm. okay, game on, just start. And uh, and a year after, I got a world champion uh, wow. in the in the juniors, and then I. Um, I signed my first uh, pro contract with a French team, and yeah, that that was that was about it. And I never had to ask any from them, uh, any money from them. And I think they're happy with that, and I'm happy with that. So everyone's happy by the end, and I'm now a professional triathlete for like. I, lo- more, I love that more than what ten a- years, and and yeah, that just that just the way it starts. I mean, when you when you have your back, uh, when you back to the wall, you have no other choice that just just work hard for for. For, for having what you want and I remember sleeping like I, I had a actually I had a, a bedroom in my coach garage back then and I, I worked night shift at a bike shop to make uh, to make some money I was building bikes building shit kid bikes I remember for <laughs> <laughs> that, that was yeah <laughs> believe me you don't want to be in a bike shop to build kid bike kids bike or cheap <laughs> mountain bike that's the worst and but I did I did that you know to to pay my food and everything and yeah i think it made me it made me tough and it made me hungry on the start line and uh, i i had this chat with joel a few a few weeks ago and i say you know what i feel now sometimes with the federation they the athletes are so so like handed that they don't know what is it to be hungry on the start line mm-hmm. and i told him you know 2008 I start races and I knew that if I don't podium, I, I will not have enough like money to go to the restaurant after or whatever. Mm. And I, I told him, now I know. I know what is it to be hungry on the start line. I know what it costs and I know what I'm doing it. I know what I'm going to ride when it rains or when it snow or whatever mm. because I can't afford to stay home. And that was my uh, that was my project when I was young and I told my dad I would succeed and I would never ever... I've come back home and looking at my feet and say, I failed. So I had no other option, basically. 
I love that. I love everything you've just said. Just gave me goosebumps. I love just the way that the the back against the wall mentality and the hunger that you have, and then the deal you basically made with yourself. I mean, and, and your dad, but it's basically look, I got to go all in here. You know, I've got to make this work. And what do I need to do to make it happen? I may not be the greatest talent in the world, but I have my only fallback is to go get a shitty job, as you put it. And and it's funny. Uh, for the amount of athletes I've spoken to and, and how they all got to where they are. And and some of them might have had a bit more provider, but but the one thing all the champion athletes have in common is this tremendous hunger and desperation to be the greatest because there is no choice. It's like when you're most alive is when your back is against the wall. When you don't have a chance to go back, you can only go forward. And and I, I love everything you just said there. And one of the things that's funny, I feel like every generation, we look at the next generation and say, oh, they're getting handed everything. Because I, when, when I was sort of coming through the 90s and then early noughties and, and I was watching Australia and the, the programs they were giving to the juniors, I'm like, no, you're making them soft. You're making them soft, you know. Um, and I, I had Chris McCormack on here, who, I, who, of course, you know well now from the Super League, but we raced each other oh, hundreds of times. And... And we both laughed because we both started our careers. We were working at a restaurant chain called Sizzler. And, you know, we, we worked Sizzler at nights and we'd train all day and we were trying to study and do it all at once. But it was like this, uh, you know, when we all got our first sort of paychecks or you signed with your first club, it's like that, okay, all right, I needed that. I needed this little little uh, little pick-me-up that this could potentially become a career. This potentially could become something. And and it's not always going to be smooth sailing, even from now. Things will happen and it'll be up and down. It's a rocky roller coaster. But it's like while you have that passion and determination, it's amazing what things can come from it. So, I mean, that's a big decision to make for yourself when you were 16, 17. Uh, what, what gave you that belief that this is the direction you should go? Was it you'd seen something in yourself in terms of physical or mental or emotional? What what? What gave you that belief and, and that to stand up to your dad and say, hey, no, this is what I want to do with my life? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, ju- I just believe that I, I, I could do it. And I mean, um, my dad is, I mean, he was and he's still a big inspiration. You know, he, he moved mm. uh, He moved with his parents from from Portugal back then when people, when France uh needed people to 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 work and then he found a job he found my mother and uh when actually his uh, sister died in france uh, his parents came back to portugal and he just said oh i got the job here i got a wife it's a it's a shitty job but i'm gonna stay here and raise my kid here because i can't go back to portugal and raise them in portugal mm. so he, he just stayed there and you know i've, I've seen him waking up at 3 a.m going to the factory at five coming back at one and doing this for 40 years of his life just to just wow. to feed me it feed my sister so you know it just we just know what uh working is so mm-hmm. you just i mean you you can't you can't just sit in your couch watching tv saying ah oh, yeah i should do that i mean <laughs> people people that that should or people that could there is there's plenty in jails or in the bars and mm. I don't want to be one of these guys. I want to be the guys that made choice, assume them and succeed. And, you know, there is, there is nothing better to, to start from zero and to just, to just like, look at what you look at what you did and say, okay, now I can, I can, I can be proud of what I did and mm. not too much because I want more. And that, mm. that just the way, I think that just the way we grew up, 
I mean, my sister, my sister got like um, funding for for study, and she's now a petrol engineer, and she's making like a shit ton of money. But she fought hard. I mean, that was mm. hard for her, and she she mm. lived in a six uh, six uh, square meters room for like four days, doing four years. Sorry, doing like tons of study, studying all day long to get this job and to get this graduation and everything. And she's one of the smartest mm. person I know, and. I mean, I was just like, I, I need to find a way to succeed because this is <laughs> this is how how we do, and this is the only option I have. Oh, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do like a shit job for the rest of my life. So I just I just stood up. I just I just I just like train as hard as I can and trying to to be as smart as I can to do the good races to to be picked for national selection to to make good decisions and uh, I, I will never I, I will never regret what I did because it just brought me where, where I am right now. Like what you've heard so far, then make sure you never miss a podcast by clicking the subscribe button now. This show is only made possible by you, the listener, and if you'd like to support Greg, please visit the Be With Champions Patreon page. Your support, very much appreciated. Now, back to the show. I think there's a real self-awareness that you have. Um, you know, you, you really, you know who you are, um, you know what you want, and, and it sounds to me like you're really in control of your own life and, and the destiny that you're trying to create for yourself. And, and that's really powerful because I think you'll find 99.99% of people out there are still trying to figure out who they are, what they want, and, and you know, try and f- take control of their own thoughts and choices and actions. But you're definitely somebody that has all the attributes of a, of a champion and, and the way you might have learnt them is different to others. But you, you're here now and you've, 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 you're managing all these expectations incredibly well. And I want to talk about some of these relationships a little bit more. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Joel Filiol and we've talked about your family uh, and, and your team that you have around you. Tell me a little bit more about the team of experts that you have around you and some of the coaches and, 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 and people around you. And, and I believe you, you're dating... Tell me if I'm wrong, but Taylor Spivey is is your girlfriend, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. and uh, she she's been part of the stability I, I got more now, and she's been really helpful. I mean, she she is just like a, an exterior eye that can see what I'm what I've been too much. I mean, used to, and I, I don't see it anymore. And she's sometimes asking me really basic questions because she's kind of new to triathlon, but. This is the question I, I never asked myself and, and it's actually really good to have like a fresh way of thinking about things and she, mm-hmm. she always say, Oh, you should take care of this, you should be more careful with that, you should mm-hmm. So she, she is really helpful, like she's really helping me with the things I think I can handle, but I, I actually can't. And <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's really helpful. And you know, having someone you can talk about something as that trial and she's really creative. She 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 got a architecture degree so it's it's really nice to have her around and speaking about something else she's really interested in a lot mm. of stuff and i'm really happy with that because us athletes can be really boring you know we can mm-hmm. just talk about training data and all this stuff so if you can talk about i mean i'm really i'm really happy with like all these um interior furnitures fashion clothes and everything so it's it's really nice to talk with her about something else just having something Mm. else to talk with your girlfriend even she if she's involved in triathlon and she can still 
understand your lifestyle. So it's it's yeah, she was really helpful, and she's still really helpful. Well, let me and- let me just interrupt you there, just so listeners that don't know that Taylor, in her own right, is one of the world's greatest athletes. She's uh, just finished fourth in the World Series last year, and I think eighth the year before. She's only been in the sport four or five years, um, American, who's just really one of, the, one of the favorites, at least to make the Olympic team for, for the US and then is a strong medal favorite for in her own right. Um, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to make sure that anybody listening understands the, the power couple of triathlon that, I'm, that when we're, <laughs> we're referring to you and, and to Taylor. It's, it's uh, you know, she might be an architect by degree, but she's also a phenomenal athlete in her own right. So, so keep going, mate. Yeah, so yeah, that that's that's really good to have her by my side to to support me and help me in both good and bad uh, moments of the career. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about my uh, training team, obviously there is Joel, which uh, who is the main coach and um, main coach of the GFT crew with all the other athletes that you that you mentioned before. We also got Drew Box, uh, your fellow Australian mate, that is a retired mm-hmm. athlete and now. He's assistant coach for us and he's really helpful. He's doing all the logistics for us, booking the hotels, booking the flights and helping us like really a lot. He's been really helpful the past few years and really doing whatever we need to do to 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 perform better. So so Drew was really helpful and I, I always love to have a coffee with him, chatting and, and, and talking about the sessions and the day the day coming. He's he's a really nice guy. I really like to I really like to have his company. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got a physio twenty four seven with me. Uh, same as Mario. His name is uh, Jose Miota. We call him Pepe. Uh, he's a he's a really good physio. Always with us. Always really careful. He's always a good uh, a good a good ear to to talk. And he's yeah really patient with us. Even with with the most uh, stressed athlete, he always have the he always has the the good words, and that that's really good to have him twenty four seven with us. Because as soon as you got like any pain, he can he can help you. He can adjust or making alignments or whatever. But he has been he has been really helpful even with me that I'm really prone to injuries. He he was really helpful to keep me injury free for the at least the last the last two years. Um, then I got my agent, uh, Julian, I think he's, he's really, really helpful too. He keep me, he keep me out of a lot of stress. He's the guy, I, I call him the guy that says no. So, so it's good. He always <laughs> says no. When I, when I'm, I don't I'm, want to. I'm glad I didn't have Julian saying no, <laughs> no to me when I reached out to him on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He says no more than he says yes, but he always says yes to me, but always says no to the people. So. So yeah, that, yeah. That, that that's really good, and he and he's been really helpful. You know, mm. I mean, you, when you focus on your training, you don't want to focus on all these contract things or lawyer mm-hmm. things and everything. And he and he and he and he does all of this. So yeah, he's been really helpful about this. And uh, we 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 start to work with a scientist too. Uh, his name Jan Lemer, and he's he's a French guy, really good working with a lot of uh, soccer teams in France. Uh, he's he's on Twitter YLM uh, Sports Science, and he's really really good. I think he's doing a lot of tweets, and it's it's really easy to understand. He's he's a, he's a kind of this guy that he's a scientist, but you can talk to him. You talk the same <laughs> language, so yeah. that's that's what I like, you know, and that's. When I introduced him to to Joel, I knew he would like him because you you, you can talk to him. He's not gonna 
tell you what you have to do. He's is going to make the best of the situation you are in and doing his best to help you understand what you have to do. Mm. So yeah, that's basically my team. Um, Joel, Drew, Pepe, Taylor, and Julian and Jan. That's, that's the people around me that helped me to, 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 be, to have performances. That's, that's brilliant, mate. And, and one of the things that's a common thread amongst nearly everyone I speak to is this unbelievable team that people surround themselves with. And even as I look forward in future careers, I'm like, no, the first thing I want to be doing is build my team, get that right. And then it's amazing what you can do. And, and they all want the best for you. And, and that's, that's huge. You know, they can be good at their job, but when they want the best for you, that's amazing. And I want to, I want to just touch on why we're talking relationships because, um, before Rio Olympics and tell me if I'm out of line bringing this up, but, um, you're in a in a pretty prominent relationship with one of the world's greatest cyclists, um, Pauline Framprevot from France. So you were kind of like the golden couple going into Rio. And and Rio Olympics, you're an outside chance, I think, of, of a medal. Um, or at least I think the bronze medal had your name on it. I think the, the Brownlee brothers kind of uh, were pretty dominant. I mean, maybe I'm a bit wrong there, but I think they were still kind of, you know, if they're injury-free, they were always going to be tough to beat. And and you had a breakup sort of that six months before. Did that affect you in a negative way emotionally going into those games or were you over it before then? Um, no, actually, you know, I had, I had a really good 2015. I finished, um, I finished third, as you said mm. before, and I won my first World Series. So I was going mm. into 2015, uh, into 2016 really strong and I wanted to have a good winter. And uh, the first thing that, that really affected me is that um, – the, the loss of Laurent in November 2015. Mm. And uh, I mean, mm. he was, he, we were really close and that, that was really a, a big loss. And I, I don't know, it, it, keep, it, it, it took me some time to, to really put my shit together after this. But uh, I went back to training and I was like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to medal at this Olympics for him. I'm going to do everything mm. I can, but I, I, I'm going to do it for me for sure. But I, I, I want him to be part of it. Mm. And uh, so I trained hard. I mean, that was my best winter ever. And I showed up at uh, cross-country nationals in early March and I finished second. So wow. I knew I was really fit. I was doing crazy track session. I was, I was really, really fit and going for it. And, and then uh, actually, yeah, I was, I was dating uh, Pauline for, I don't know, that was maybe five or six years or something. That was a kind of a long relationship. Wow. Wow. And um, and it basically happened that we we split up and uh, I I learned like two days after that she was already in a new relationship. I learned it in the in the media. I mean in the journal in the newspaper called L'Equipe, which is the biggest oh, yeah, yeah. newspaper. Ouch! And I, and I was just like, ah, yeah. So this is this is not this is not what what you want what you want to leave three three months prior to the olympics and so i was just like okay get over it you, you can do it just just like blindside and just just go over it you need to train and i, I basically put myself into a too hard training mode and 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 i and i train harder than what i what i should have done and uh, i um, i had a stretch factor on my left ankle oh geez. and yeah we were so basically that was may uh, I still haven't raced. Uh, I skipped uh, Abu Dhabi and all these races, and but I kept training. I kept training. I, I knew I had a stress fracture. I did the MRI, and I was like, "No, 
it's it's too late now to take times <laughs> off, so I need to keep training. And uh, so basically, I ended up with the two ankles with two stretch fractures. And um, yeah, <laughs> that was that wow. was kind of uh, that was kind of critical. So wow. yeah, so it's basically you you can't do anything because you can't ride, you can't even walk. I was in a wheelchair, and that was May uh, Olympics in July. Um, I was kind of hiding it from the federation and from basically yeah. everyone. So you everybody make, does you, that, mate. I did that before the '04 Olympics. You don't want to be kicked yeah. off the team. You still want to go and see what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So you really yeah. hide. You really have yeah. to hide yourself. I was making the the groceries delivered and everything because I didn't want anyone to see me uh, with like both boots <laughs> on both legs. Wow. And I was wow. pretending I was training, so it was a lot of. Uh, fake pictures on instagram and all this bullshit you do when you're injured and <laughs> so yeah I, I mean that wasn't the best uh the best part of my life and uh yeah. so i spent i spent six weeks uh not not walking and i did my rehab at home make the physio coming home i remember i bought a table because i didn't want him to bring the table in the street and carrying the table and everything i was kind of paranoiac and I showed up uh, back again in June, I think, for Sprint Europeans that I won. So everyone was like, ah, yeah, he's just hiding. He's just, I mean, I heard everything, even that I was in a doping program or whatever. That's why I wasn't racing. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All these these people saying things, but I was like, no, I I just can't even walk. (laughs) No, I can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) And people think think I'm going to win the Olympics, but uh, I I don't even know if I'm going to race. Yeah. So yeah, I just you know, and still this kind of ghost of my relationship going crazy everywhere in the in the newspapers and everything. And uh, I mean, I knew she's gonna she was gonna race the Olympics, and I knew he was gonna race the Olympics too. So it's 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 never easy, even if you want to go over this. Uh, <laughs> it's still kind of on the back of your mind. But I was I was just like, okay, let, let let's do it, let's go for it, and. You know, uh, the, the federation was really keen to get this medal too. I got, I, I won't say I got pressure. I mean, everyone got pressure. It's just the manner you, it's just what, what you what you do with it, how you handle it. And I think I, I did a pretty bad job. Um, uh, well, I think, I, I think in fairness to you, mate, I think when we look at that period and the emotional, just the extreme emotions, I don't think we account for what emotions do to us mentally and physically. And I don't think we give them enough power, both both the positive and the and the negative emotions. I, I've raced guys that have just fallen in love, or their wife has just had a baby, and they're invincible. They're invincible, even even if physically they weren't that great. They just get so much more out of themselves. And then I've raced myself in a, in a in a relationship that wasn't that wasn't superb. Um, I remember ninety nine World Championships in Montreal. I believed I was the fittest guy in the world. I'd actually trained so well. Become race day, I couldn't get out of my own way. I just mentally and physically, my body wouldn't show up. And I don't think we give enough kudos to the impact of falling in love or the impact of falling out of love and what that can actually do to us physically and mentally. And and you, the Olympics is already enough pressure. We're already putting so much pressure on ourselves to perform. We all want that gold medal. We all want that that special moment, that special day. But when you have those emotions, you know, with, with Lauren Vidal passing in November of 2015, with you, with your breakup and a very public breakup, which can be make things inflamed even more, and and the way that breakup happened, it wasn't just okay, we're falling apart. It's like suddenly she's with uh, Julian Absalon, who's you know 
a bit of a rock star mountain biker for people that don't know. And, and uh, it, it, it's kind of the growth that you've need to take away from that is only going to make you a greater athlete going in the future. Like you've had some incredible emotional experiences that most people don't have to deal with, especially in the limelight. And I think that's going to only make you stronger. I think it's, it's in your toolkit now going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, absolutely I agree with you and and you know after that so everyone was everyone was expecting me to to win a gold medal or at least a medal and I ended up finishing 7th uh, so I'm and sorry I, I said 8th I think at the top of the show I meant 7th. Yeah, no. anyway, when you I mean the Olympics when you don't medal it doesn't really matter for me. So yeah, I know that's yeah. true mate. I I got a 4th. So yeah, I know, I know. Place, I know. Yeah, I, I I saw you overtaking my uh, my my idol by the time Fred Belo, bro. Oh yes, Frederick. Yeah. He, he, I think I only overtook him with a K or two to go. He, he was uh, fifth. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you, you know, seventh, and I, I actually crossed the line, and I saw the people were more um, disappointed that I was because mm. they, they were truly expecting me to be better. But I was like, you have no idea what I just gone through. Uh, you have yeah, no yeah. idea. No, not even a clue. No. And, and so you know after this race i just i just took the first uh the first flight home i just went back home and i sat in my couch and i was like so okay what i'm gonna do now mm. so does it does it worth it for four years of my life dedicate to to a girl and to this sport and i end up without a girl and with a seventh place <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's the point what's the <laughs> and you know yeah. so and and there is still races going. So the federation called me every day. So what are you doing? Are you training? Do do we keep you on the start list? Blah blah blah. So I just ended up uh, shutting off my phone, and I, I remember spending like days and days not getting out, not answering my phone, and not doing anything, just thinking. And and after I don't know, I I, I just kept going. I, I was just doing nothing and friends were just raising hands and I was just like ignoring them. And, but after sometimes you just have to, to realize that with or without you, the sun will shine, there will be a tomorrow and (laughs) you stay in your couch on your, or you, or you just move yourself up. Mm. And so I was like, this is not me. This is not how I grew up. This is not, this is really not me. And I need to find back this, this like this feeling I had when I was young, this this feeling of being hungry and everything, and I was like, I need to get back to basics. And so I just I just went online and just booked a ticket to Kenya, and no return ticket. And I just went to Kenya and um, I just I just trained there. I just trained with these guys and I met guys that has that had nothing. They had nothing. They live in six square meters with a light bulb on the, on the ceiling and a mat on the floor. And they were ready to give me everything they had. And I was like, okay, I can't complain finishing seventh at the Olympics. I can't complain just breaking up with my girlfriend. I have no right to do it. I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky to be in my situation. I'm just lucky to be able to do sport. I'm just lucky to be free to run and everything. And I remember I stayed five weeks in Kenya. Uh, that was tough mate oh, that was hard i was not fit at all and uh I, I i just went back to france and i was just i just swear to myself and promise to myself that i don't want to leave this anymore and and that i'm gonna fight i'm gonna fight again and i'm gonna give the olympic another crack mm. 
That's a really great story, mate. And and I love that you basically <laughs> book a one-way ticket to Kenya just to experience to get a really good reality check. I mean, and look, we all we all need it sometimes. We all need a little slap in the face. Even during this, you know, this lockdown phase that we're all in around the world, it's you know, I keep waking up every morning and I say to Laura and, you know, it's like, look, the sun's shining. It's a beautiful day. Uh, we've got two beautiful kids. You know, what do we have? You know, we can play with it. it I, there's so many positives that you can take away if you if you you practice the art of gratefulness, which is, it is an art because, and it's a learned skill, the, the ability to be grateful for what you have. And, and I think when you look back at 2016 and the experiences that you went through, it's almost you're going to be grateful Sometimes it takes time, you know, time heals all, but to have the broken ankles and still get seventh at the Olympics is really quite extraordinary, mate, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I had that, it was a bit similar in 04, you know, in, in uh, 2000, I missed out on the Olympics. I was ranked second in the world. The qualifying process was just rubbish anyway. I've talked about that on this show enough, but it wasn't a good experience for me. And I was, I was devastated with the sport and I almost retired until Simon Whitfield, you know, held out the olive branch and said, come to Canada and help me get ready for the Olympics. And, and that's where I met my wife, Laura. And, and I basically say, rather than going to the 2000 Olympics, I got, I got the girl and I, and I married a beautiful woman instead of that. And then the journey towards 2004 Olympics, I was ranked number one in the world in 2002, 2003. I was winning World Cups and when I wasn't winning, I was on the podium. And I was I was going into those Olympics as one of the strong favorites. There was still sort of Hamish Carter, Bevan Doherty and Frederick Belobre. There was a few of us, so it wasn't on my own. But And then, you know, after qualifying for the Australian team, I was injured very early on in the year and, and had this Achilles injury that wouldn't go away. And finally, with about six weeks, seven weeks before the Olympics, I started to be able to train and, and trade, trained the best I could relentlessly going into that experience. And I remember hopping on the star line. <laughs> My confidence was so low. It was like, just don't embarrass yourself, Greg. Just don't embarrass yourself. It was like this. I hadn't told a soul I'd been injured like you. I just wanted to keep that spot. I just wanted to be able to dive in the water and say I'm an Olympian. And, and, uh, Instead, here I was, you know, racing and just missed out on the medal by, you know, six, seven seconds, whatever it was. And, and it, was, it wasn't a terrible day. Would have my life changed dramatically had I made up that six, seven seconds or the 25 seconds to Hamish Carter? Probably not. You know, I got married at the end of 04 and, and away I went. And, and actually my best years were after that. At, you know, I was 32 when I, in 2004. I was what everybody thought was over the hill at the time. But my best years... Um, were definitely post 2004 Olympics. And, you know, I tell the story that I basically had an eight to 10% winning rate up until 2005, 2006. And I changed that to, I was winning one in two races from that sort of 05, 06 through to 2011. Now they weren't ITU World Series races. They were the non-drafting big money races in the US. But when I wasn't winning, I was on the podium. My point with all of that is, is I feel like we, as athletes, we grow through all these experiences and we, we gain confidence and we know how we can progress in the future. And, and, and I think that growth is what you're getting already. You know, the fact that when we look at 17, 18, 19 and your progression and your maturity, it's not like you, these things are just happening randomly. You're preparing right. You know yourself well. You're in control of your destiny now. And I, and I think that's, that's really exciting. And, and as this episode, out of all the episodes I've done, there's just so much wisdom coming out of, how old are you? You're 30. You know, I think it's phenomenal because you've had to learn. There's been so many hard hits along the way for you and you've had to learn through growth of these hard hits compared to some of the other athletes that you're racing that have been winning since they were 
17, 18 and never really lost. Well, the amount of learning you get through the losing like you have is, is incredible. Um, I want to move on to a little bit of the fundamentals of, of how you're able to do what you're doing. And the first one is your, your sleep and recovery. Um, are you monitoring this and, and how do you approach your sleep and recovery? Uh, I've I've never um, uh, I mean I never have uh, any trouble about sleeping. I'm a good sleeper, so I I never really feel the need to record it or to monitor it. So I just try to sleep as much as much as I can. I try to go really early um, in bed, having my uh, eight to ten hours, and then nap during the day. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing the basics, you know, lo- no technology in the bedroom, no blue light um, uh, after nine. Trying to to keep the the room cold and and dark and I, I think I mean it's it's mostly what I what I what I feel works the best uh, uh, even for recovery or for training is to 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 keep the things simple and that, that that's what I do with the with the sleep mostly I, I'm not trying to to monitor to monitor whatever because I don't want more data I don't want mm. more like things to think about as long as I don't have problem or trouble with it uh, i'm mm. just keeping keeping it like as simple as i can yeah i'm a bit the same as you i i, I think i mean you just nail you call them the basic things but most people aren't getting the basic things right and that's you know to keep it cool dark and quiet and, and turn the turn all the the monitors off or at least wear blue light glasses if you have to get on your screens but i i think you know, if you can do those things. Recently, this last couple of years for myself, I haven't been sleeping nearly as well as I used to when I was an athlete. And so, you know, now I'm doing homework on, you know, these chili pad things and trying to cool myself down that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, to do it. And, and I, a lot of that can be just your general health, you know, so I'm also getting blood blood work done to try and just figure out, okay, what am I missing? And are, are you doing sort of blood work or are you testing your general health? How are you monitoring that? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm doing a blood test every let's say two months. Um, I, I'm lucky enough. I I never been any any low anywhere, so I, I'm I'm lucky enough to got a good immune system. I mean, mm. my, my my body is not the strongest bone wise, but uh, for for the immune system, I'm I'm quite good, and I'm and I'm lucky enough for that. So yeah, we 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 checking that with my team, making sure even more when we're going to altitude that my iron levels are are, are good, but. No, I accept that. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy. It's funny you you mentioned your bones. It's I don't think anybody that comes from a swimming background and into our sport <clears throat> doesn't take some time for their bones to keep up with their chassis. You know, you you all these swimmers that come from our sport have these enormous engines. You know, your heart and lung capacity is just enormous. But you haven't been on the land pounding the body for years like people that came from running, and it's almost like your bones have to catch up. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I know for myself for, for years, for the last 30 years, I've just watched so many swimmers come into the sport and because they can push harder and all of a sudden there is these these stress fractures and, and these bone issues that, that happen. But over time, your body, you know, gets stronger and stronger with that. But it's funny you mentioned that. And it's, are you supplementing at all? Yeah, I, I'm I'm just like following my uh, my, my blood test, uh, working with a, uh, with a nutritionist that is that is checking all of this, but uh, I, as I say, I never had like big, uh, big low things. So I'm just trying to to keep my immune system uh, ready, uh, even mm. more right now with this virus going around. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. I'm just doing like protein shake after hard hard races or hard training, and just 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 doing the basics. But as you said, 
just making sure you're doing the basics right, I think are, are, are the best you, mm-hmm. you, you can do. Mm. And, and you, you mentioned nutrition. Are you following, is anything kind of specific in your nutrition plan, any kind of diets or anything that you're following? Uh, not not really. Um, mm. I, I mean, I'm eating everything. My mom was a good cook, and we were lucky enough to <laughs> to have a to have a garden. And you, you know, uh, uh, I'm eating everything. I, I don't have any intolerance or allergies or whatever. So I'm just I'm just eating whatever is on my uh, is on my plate and trying to eat everything. Yeah, trying to to mix everything and making sure I got the the, the good uh, intakes. Yeah, it's funny. We, I just had Gwen Jorgensen last week on the episode and, and her husband, Pat, is a chef and does all the grocery co- shopping and all the cooking and everything for us. So she's just got to come home and eat. And, and I shared with her back in 2007, um, my wife and I employed a young guy. He was a chef and he was a massage therapist as well that we were seeing. And, and he he lived he ended up living with us and um, he did all the cooking and all the grocery shopping. And then we get a half hour massage every afternoon and, and our meals were done sort of right on time. And they were just just wonderful meals and, and both my wife and I ended up having you know we won every race we wanted that year and it was an extraordinary year because it was some of the biggest payouts the sport had ever seen and and so we just had that remarkable year and and then I look at Pat doing the same for Gwen leading all the way up to the 2016 Olympics and have you thought about anything like that like bringing in a someone who does all the the cooking and grocery shopping and and that kind of work for you yeah, that was that was on the plan for <laughs> that was on the plan for this Olympic, and mm. uh, yeah, everything was planned um, to go to Font and having a, having a chef for me cooking every day, even doing the grocery shopping, doing even my um, <clears throat> my uh, cereal bars for the rides and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, everything was uh, was on the way, but uh, <laughs> it's we, on we pause. The, yeah, we just yeah. missed the we just missed the race. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, suddenly it just didn't seem worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's a good thing to have for next year. I have no doubt things will come back to a bit more of a, a normal and um and these Olympics will happen and, and you'll be able to have everything in line to get yourself ready and um give me, you know, you've mentioned Joel and some of the training that you guys are doing and I'm I'm curious how is he able to keep you injury free and and all of you injury free? He must be pretty good at just monitoring and and you guys are never never doing too much speed work. I had Cameron Worth on um, on the episodes and we were both laughing about how speed kills, but it's often hard for athletes to step back and and not overdo it and not hit that that full gas button. How are you sort of managing your week in terms of overall training? Uh, I mean, our, our weeks are pretty similar. Uh, for sure, when we start when we start training again in December, we have some building weeks. But as soon as we hit early January, all our weeks are, are pretty similar between twenty eight and thirty two hours. Uh, as I say, no day off except for except for traveling, and uh, it's it's kind of a, of a routine we have. We ne- we never do crazy things, uh, and as I did, and that's that's I think mostly the reason I was injured before and. <laughs> now it just it's just more about consistency you know mm. I, I don't know swimming 25 uh, 25k a week uh, riding for between 4 and 500k a week and and running around 100k and making sure we're doing the core the core job and the everything to keep the to keep the body healthy but yeah we we, we never we never do crazy numbers but we do the numbers i think that's the that's the thing and and we that that's how you stay i think that's how you stay injury free not not trying to go too hard not trying to go too long but but doing it 
day by day. And I, I mean, the, for me, the first thing, as I said, with my teammates, and it's the same with Joel, is to be is to be direct and to be frank and say how you feel and say how you feel the session. And the the easiest way is just you coach when he sees you every morning asking how you sleep and how you feel. And I think that's the easiest way to monitor the the athletes. If the if the athlete trusts you, he's gonna he's gonna tell you straight away. He's gonna tell you straight away. Okay, Joel, uh, I stay on the phone with my girlfriend. I I, I went to bed at one a.m. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so you just swim four k instead of five k, and you're just gonna run a bit slower and make sure you're sleeping earlier tonight, and that's it. Or you mm-hmm. have this kind of guy that try to hide because he's ashamed and don't say anything and he's being smashed on the on the swim and Joel doesn't understand why and it's 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 not good you know so i think transparency is the key is the key sorry between Joel and the athletes and everyone respect that and that's that's how it works and let let's let's say he's also really good at managing the egos and making the people work together and he's also really i think really good at what i call the non verbal language is if like an athlete show up early at the training or if he shows up late or if he doesn't do like dry land exercises before the swim and he's used to do, you, you have some little things that you can say if an athlete is tired or if he's keen to train and he's really good at reading that even if with a 15 people group. So yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's the thing that really makes uh, Joel a good coach is, is paying attention to details. Mm. And how come how come Taylor's not with Joel? He's not. She's not with Joel, is she? Is she wanting to join you guys? Or uh, yeah, she's actually training with Paolo Souza, uh, who is a really good mate with of of Joel. And uh, her group is mostly a woman group. And gotcha. I mean, she she yeah, she joined she joined Paolo a while ago, and she she likes she likes his training. And I think yeah, it, it's been yeah. good. I mean, we we only dating for like two years, so. I, as we say in France, maybe not putting all the eggs in the same nest is, is good for a start. <laughs> yes. Let me get through this Olympic cycle with no hiccups, please. <laughs> yeah. I, I told her, you know, you know, I told her when we start dating, I say, you, you know, I, I'm not going to waste my energy if, if you're not positive around me. I, I mean, we, we need to, to bring us up, not down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want a girlfriend that is waking up positive wants to train and not in a bad mood half of the half of the day <laughs> and so she was just like smiling and i'm like okay uh, I, i'm gonna be smiling if you're smiling but <laughs> I, I, if you're being really hard i'm gonna be hard with you <laughs> so yeah. we, we just we just put the bases and now it's fine yeah i love that it's like uh, i i heard one of your quotes a while back and you said you win you lose but you always learn you know, and uh, I like that. I actually, I don't know where you said it, I, but it was it was a while ago. I was listening to you. It was in an interview, I think you did, and you said you you can win, you can lose, but you're always learning. And I feel like that's yeah. what you've had had with the relationships in the past and everything else. I was like, hang on, I might have lost, but I've definitely learned a lot on how I want to go forward here. So I think that's yeah, fantastic. That, I mean, that's that's exactly what you said before. I mean, when you when you when you in the moment you say, "Ah, oh, shit, I just break up with my girlfriend. It's everything on the news and, and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. People are saying things. But when I actually look back now, that's maybe the best thing that happened in my life because mm. I would never have joined Joel's group because I wouldn't have been stuck with this girl. 
But <laughs> since, we bro- since we broke up, I got the freedom. I can do whatever I want. I can think for myself. And, uh, and I mean, I remember a guy, because you know the story, when I won in Lausanne, she won the MTB World title the same day. Uh, and I remember seeing a guy say, oh, it's, it's too bad you're not together anymore. I'm like, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> because if we would have been together... Maybe yeah. her and maybe me. We will never have win this title. Yeah, never. That's true. That's and true. now we 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 each we each have our own path, and yeah. we we both fix it. So it's good. I'm happy for. Her. I don't yeah. know if, she, if she's happy for me. I don't really care to be honest. But the thing <laughs> is, both of us are winning, and that's that's what you want, and yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I I really don't regret what happened, even if that was tough by the moment and. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Now, I'm now a bulletproof for all these things, so it's good. No, yeah, that's the thing. You're stronger for it. Well, I, I really only knew about your relationship to some degree because right at the end of my career, that was 2015, 2016 was really when I retired. And um, during that time, I'd put the mountain bike away. I was mountain biking back in like 86, 87, 88 <laughs> when mountain bikes were kind of just coming on the scene and just loved it. But I put it on hold because I didn't want to get injured or anything and wanted to just focus on triathlon. But part of the deal I made with myself is look, when I retire and I was 44 at the time, I was like, I want to get back into mountain biking. And I started just watching the world's best mountain bikers and, and everything else. And, and so that's when I knew, oh, there's a connection, you know, between the world champion of 2015 and, and yourself. And, uh, so that's how I, I actually did know a little bit about it at the, when it was actually happening and, and everything else. And I'm, I'm a big fan of sort of watching the mountain biking world. And I had Nino Scherter on this show, you know, which was a real privilege for me to have, you know, the world champion, Olympic champion mountain biker on the show. But uh, it was funny. Um, that connection is just, it's a small world. Um, yeah. I want to just wrap up a little bit here and just one of the areas of topics that I just love to, to talk about. And for me is really critical to, to high performance and that's the the mental strategies that that different athletes have and and every single person i've had on this show has a different approach to it now nearly every one of them have said oh i don't visualize and then they go in to tell me exactly how they look at the course and visualize <laughs> how they visualize but <laughs> but i'm curious as to how you approach you know the these key events and and how you're able to to plan it out um in your mind mentally which affects you emotionally and affects you physically how are you able to go about that uh, yeah i mean I, I i don't do like any um i don't know i, ne- I never sat down with a sport psychologist and talked to her and say okay i want to do this i want to do that I, I i just i mean i've just learned my way and, and i know what i'm on the start line and i know what i have to do and what my job is and why i'm doing this but mm. that's that's the mental kind of mental strength part but yeah, matter of racing for sure. I'm I'm just looking at the race, uh, doing the bike recon. I'm doing a, a lap on the run, and I just say, okay, that that could be a good a good spot for an attack, or that could be a good spot for like starting your sprint finish because I'm mm. kind of keen to finish with a sprint finish every time I can. Mm. And, I've, seen you know, I've seen it, mate. It's amazing. <laughs> Anybody that hasn't watched some of your races and your kick, you know, sprint finish, uh, it, it's just a phenomenal power. I mean, I'll never forget that one. Sorry to interrupt while you're on a train of thought, but 2015 when you ran away from my very good friend Javier Gomez in, in, your, in your first WTS win in 2015 and the amount of power that you just had was, whoa, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> anyway, go on, mate. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so I'm I'm just yeah I'm just visualizing the race and sometimes when I train, you know, it's 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 um, going back into your mind, saying, oh yeah, I remember this feeling when I was racing. I was like, kind of 
in the zone and that's that's exactly what i feel now and oh this this road looks uh similar to this finish in this race you know so not 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 really that i want to do it not really that i kind of close my eyes in my bed the day before the race and trying to visualize exactly the race but you you you, you're always kind of visual visualizing Mm. and trying to feel this uh racist feeling that 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 you want that you want to feel again because that's that's the best i mean we all we all training for race we all training for for wins so that's that's how you want to feel and that's what keeps you alive so yeah sometimes mm. at training for sure you're gonna say well look if i if i can race if i can run that relax and being at the front of the group i'm gonna make everyone suffer mm. and oh this this tray could be the finish line of let's say Edmonton race or whatever and yeah for sure you you're thinking about it every every single time you train and you feel good you you wish you could be racing right now yeah it's funny you know you, it's almost like you visualizing gets easier and easier the more you win because you're able to go back to the memory bank and then use some of that like you said running in the front pack relaxed well I've been there and done that I did that in Rotterdam I did that in this you know you can you can go back to your memory bank and go I remember how that felt like it, it was it was a suffering relaxation, but I was able to be in control and relax with power. And and you touch on the, the the winning feeling, and I always laugh because you know I often hear people say that you know winning isn't everything, and I I kind of think well maybe you just haven't won because winning is everything. It really is that special special feeling you get. Now that doesn't mean always crossing the line first. I'll give you that that sometimes you've overcome obstacles just to complete a race or finish a race or you had a time that you wanted to beat or whatever it is but that feeling of accomplishment truly is what we do it for you know and it's almost like this addiction that you get to go i want that feeling again you know and and going step forward looking at rio i mean you've got an extra sort of 12 months now have you do you sit down at all and and and, well not even sit down when you're out running when you're out biking swimming are you allowing yourself to to think about that race at the moment or is everything still you know while lockdown's happening let's just tick the you know tick it over no no i actually i actually enjoy thinking about uh upcoming races and mm. yeah T- tokyo for sure is one of them and uh, we we don't know when it's gonna happen i think uh, most likely in 12 months but uh yeah for sure i'm visualiz- visualizing racing and I've been racing ITU, I mean, uh, WTS for pff, 10 years now. So I, I basically know what, what what happens during races and I know who I would be running, running with. And yeah, mm. that, that that's for sure. Every time you run and when it starts to get hard, you, you, mm. you're thinking about, okay, relax your shoulder, do this, do that. You, you're doing good. You're looking, you're looking good. And that's, that's, that's the way you want to be in racing. So for sure, you're making a parallel world between training and racing and 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 you have to do that if you're a true racer i guess yeah well that's the difference also between a lot of people listening might do ironmans or half ironmans which really uh, tends to be a race against yourself when you're in this itu wts world there's also a fair bit of you can control yourself but there's a lot going on with your comp- competitors and i remember you know i used to have pages of everybody and notes on every single athlete i used to dissect everybody i was racing bevan doherty hamish Carter. it didn't matter i had the list and where I thought they were strong, where I thought their weaknesses could, could, could be. And then I'd do the same with the, the race courses and, and kind of look at races that would suit my, my strengths. You know, did they have hills? Were they flat? Were they windy? Were they hot? Were they cold? And really try and – and then I'd rank them all out of 10. 
And so, you know, how many guys are ranked 10 out of 10? Okay, they're the players. You know, that's where I should start on the swim start line. And it was a matter of it wasn't just about me. It was I needed to understand my my competition. You're somebody that spends a lot of time doing that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a of a triathlon nerd. I'm, I'm every, <laughs> <Me> every, <too. laughs> uh, you know, every Sunday I'm spending my Sunday nights on the on the ITU website. I'm looking at every single results, every single race, even like a junior African Cup or whatever. I'm checking everything, the swim times, the swim splits, everything. And and you know, I just I just like it. I just like to know. And even if it's not sometimes relevant, but I just like to know the people. I. I, mm. I just love my sport, and I, I just I just love the results. I, I'm not a big fan of training data. I'm not going into the lab every two weeks or whatever. But I'm just I I, I just like to mm. I just like to 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 know the thing. I, I'm not. Mate, I'm, uh, you, you and me both, mate. We could we could geek out together on a on a Sunday and just and, and, yeah. and we'll let her, well I'll let Laura hang out with Taylor because I'm sure Laura Laura I, I never have a friend there. She's like you're on your own. I'm I'm done with triathlon, so you're on your own. But, um, it's been I just yeah I like you. I I love the sport. I I love trying to optimize myself in the sport. I mean, they, for me these days, it's not about racing. It's just more about hanging out with you guys and and having a laugh about the stories. And tell me, um, you know, some of you your gear recommendations. You got any sort of swim, bike, recovery, nutrition that you think people should be checking out? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of all the sponsors I have. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's also a good story that all the sponsors I have now, it's, it's the one I wanted when I started racing. It's, it's exactly the one I wanted. And I sometimes refused like all the offers because I wanted to, to stick with this. And I remember my, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's not a long story. So I'm going to tell it. It's, um, for the, for the sunnies. In 2007, I finished third at uh, Juniors Worlds, and I and I so sent an email to the to this guy for Oakley, and I was like, oh, yeah, I finished third at Worlds. Uh, what do you think? You can you can give it to me some sunnies or whatever." And he said, "No, you're too young. Uh, we don't know you." And blah blah blah. I was like, oh, "Okay, never mind." So for Christmas, I asked for sunnies, and I got my Oakley sunnies. And 2008, I won Worlds, and I sent the same email again, and I was like, hey, "It's me again." And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I won words now, and I'm still buying sunnies from from your brand. And what do you think? And he's like, "Oh, it's too late. We closed the budget. We already have all the assets." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine, no worries." And then I, I was like, "When I'm gonna hit back to this guy? I'm I'm gonna. It's it's like you know this this good movie, The Godfather. I'm gonna make him a, an offer he could he could not refuse." And I remember I wait for 2012, doing the Olympics, finishing 11th, and I think. I I saw I saw I saw him at the Oakley Hospital in there. I'm like, you remember me? I sent you two emails four years ago. And I was like, ah, and I and I took my phone and I still had the emails I sent him. And I'm like, so it's now June or July 2012. Uh, I just made the Olympics and I don't think your budget is done yet. And I don't think I'm young anymore. So what do you think about the contract? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like. I like you. I'm seeing, I'm signing you eight years. It's done. Eight years. Eight <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. Phenomenal. And I remember, I remember this story and, 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 and this guy, I'm, st- I'm still, t- and he's now a really good friend and, and we're still telling the stories. And, and I seems that now go Oakley global with Greg Welsh that we both know. 
and uh, but th- that was a good story. And 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 you said I I love how you you kept going to reach to me and not because I told him I got other offers for the other Sonys, but I I really truly believe your Sonys are the best, mm. and mm. I want to be the best in the world. So I just want to be the people that that working for the best brands. And so mm. if I have to buy them, I'm gonna buy them. But I'm gonna race with those Sonys. And if you don't put me in, into a contract. I will not race with any other brand. And wow. so it ended up like this. But most of the brands I'm working with are the same story. You know, I bought my first specialized frame and and because I didn't want it to ride the Scott bikes anymore. And I was sponsored by them. They paid me, but I was like, no, the specialized are better. So I bought one and I was not under contract with them. I raced the Olympics with a specialized bikes that I bought. And the year after they signed me up and and I'm still in contract with them. But I just, I mean, it's a matter of you have a project and you invest into your performance. It's, it's, how, it's how it works for me. You just want to the best for you if you want to be the best and you want to surround yourself with the best. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I work. I just truly believe some brands are better than others and I just want to work with them. And most of the time you reward with this patience and this uh, loyalty. Well, they've been rewarded tenfold, mate, because you, you're a world champion. You, you're a good-looking Frenchman that 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 understands fashion. <laughs> that understands fashion, you know, unlike us Aussies that have no clue what we're doing. Uh, well, me personally. Uh, so, and, and you know, signing with and hanging out with Greg Welsh from Oakley, and and I'll have Greg on this show in the next few weeks. Actually, a, a very long-time friend of mine and. Uh, a world champion in his own right, both at the Ironman and short course distance, but now heads up the the International Oakley program for endurance sports. And so that, that's just phenomenal. And I love your specialized story. Um, I have a lot of good friends at Scott Bikes as well and specialized, so I don't want to <laughs> rubbish anybody, but but I think they're, they're, they're all phenomenal brands and I love your loyalty and, and knowing what you want. It's like I said earlier in the show, I, I think there's very few people that know who they are and know what they want and are willing to take yeah. the action to make it happen and and yeah, that's what i mean you do. It's, it's 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 your project and you have to you put you have to put everything you can it's like when i when i see these people racing for for like having a podium on world series and traveling economy it just like make no sense for me mm, i'm like me what, either, mate. what me I, either, I mean, mate. <laughs> mate mate it's yeah, like yeah. what on the long haul it's maybe three three more grounds to to fly business or four more grounds yeah, one yeah. spot from third to second in yeah. the race yeah. and you're done it's back cash in why yeah. you're not investing in yourself that means you're not trusting yourself you not believe yourself in, enough to do that come on just do that you yeah, know and, you got- and we, we we have this we had the same chat with the running shoes everyone was like oh this nike is so expensive i'm like yeah but it's i mean just if it if they make you going one spot faster on one race <laughs> they reimburse pay, pay, pays for 20 of them <laughs> yeah and it's and it's one race you're gonna uh, race 10 times this year uh, uh, so just uh. think the bigger pictures and i mean just invest in yourself and that's what i'm doing i mean i love every it, time you're... every every time i think about something i'm like yeah okay what's the best thing what's the best trade meal i could get what's the best thing i could get because i i, I want to invest in myself i truly believe that if i if i invest in in it i will be i will be cash back in with performance Mate, I love that. You're a man of my own heart. It's like my wife, Laura, and I used to say, you know, we have that expression, you've got to pay to play, right? And we used to budget, and I've said it on this show before, 15% of our income, our total income would go to travel. 
Now, look, if we're both making a hundred grand each a year, all of a sudden it's it's actually thirty grand combined. You can travel reasonably well. You can stay in the right hotels. You can you can you can fly business class when you need to. We'd often buy a world business class airfare because they were a bit cheaper, and you could get five races out of it or whatever else. But it was that mindset of reinvesting in yourself. And then fifteen percent of our income went to bodywork, and so I could fly with my team to key races, whether it be dry needler or massage therapist, and and that mentality of that reinvestment. It's like if there's one thing, if anybody young is listening to this and wants to be a professional triathlete, you've got to back yourself. You know, you've got to be able to, to give it a go. And like you said, if it gets you that one step up up the ladder, it's going to pay for itself already. You know, it, it gets you that much closer to where you want to get. Otherwise, don't play. You know, don't don't play. Either pay or don't play. <laughs> it's really that yeah. simple. So I mean, um, you, you, you train you train so hard that it's it's. I mean, it's a shame to waste it to to travel with your knee behind your ears because you don't want to pay for for business class. I mean, no, it's crazy. Don't, tra- crazy. Don't, don't, tra- don't train that hard then. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So, mate, I want to wrap up the show. I've taken so much of your time, but I have just a couple of little things. Um, the Olympic Games, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is it going to take to, to beat the Brownleys and Gomez, who are all saying they're coming back still. Uh, Mario Mola, the Norwegians, that uh, young British athlete, Alex Yee, who's, who's, who's running. What is it going to take to see Vincent Lewis on the top step of the dais in, in Tokyo? What do you think? Um, I mean, as I said, you have to show up at the Olympics being healthy, being 100%, being, uh, being like... Uh, aside of all this noise that we all know can influence your your olympic race and if you can if you can stay aside of all these things and and being sure of your of your fitness and showing up to the race and and you can look at the other athletes and saying i train as hard as you or i train harder and i know i can beat you i did it already and i want to do it again and i, I think that i think that's the first point and then you also have to play tactical. I mean, Olympics is a one-day race. is It's even a two-hours race every four years. So mm. you don't have thousands of matches and don't waste them. And just just wait. I mean, I read Garen Thomas' books about the, the Tour de France and he said, it's like having a gun with six bullets and don't fire one in the air, just fire one to each guy that annoy you and that's exactly <laughs> what that's exactly what you have to do at the olympics i mean we're gonna be 55 people at the start it's not a world series where we are 80 we're gonna be 55 people at the start we mm-hmm. all know that let's say 25 people are there because the the country got got a got a start so basically there is 15 to 20 people that can mm-hmm. got the win or got the got the medal and we mm-hmm. all know who they are i mean there is no surprise mm-hmm. in endurance but there is there is no miracles. There is good surprise, but there is no miracles. So mm-hmm. you're going to have right. to be the fittest and the smartest for one hour 45 every four years. Mate, I'm a huge fan of yours and, and, and I truly believe that, that you know, like I said earlier in the show, the reason I wanted you on this show and, and we've been talking about getting you on this show for sort of this past six to eight weeks, but with everything happening, it's been taking a little bit of time to get here and um, – is I'm a strong believer that there's a very high chance that we'll see you on that top step of the, the podium. And I think largely because of what it's taking you to get to where you are now and the lessons learned 
I believe you can handle the pressure. I believe you've got the emotional uh, ability to to handle whatever's thrown at you, especially after the 2016 uh, phase. So, and it's been a real, absolute, real pleasure and delight to have you on the show and chat to me for, well, almost two hours, mate. And and, and you know, for those that don't, we haven't truly met and spoken before, and and yet I feel like I'm chatting to a, a long lost friend. So. Mate, I just really, really wish the best for you and, of course, Taylor as well. And she's a lovely girl who I, I don't know terribly well either, but I just think the two of you make a great couple. Um, you know, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, this was an amazing episode. Uh, I really appreciate it, mate. And anybody listening, if you if you want to give me any feedback or, or any reviews, I'd love to hear from it or anybody else you'd love to hear on the show. But this was a, this was an incredible one, mate. Thanks, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah. All right, mate. Stay on the line and uh, thanks again. Thanks a lot for listening to Be With Champions. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Be With Champions Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.